Hey, good morning. Good morning. I'm really excited for that, that um, Activate York that's coming. Sign up. We're going to have child care for those of you guys who need child care. But it's just going to be an awesome time. And sometimes you just need to take the time to actually invest and being equipped to hear the voice of God like that. And it's going to be an awesome weekend. That guy goes all over the globe teaching a, uh, a lot of people on how to hear the voice of God. So we're so excited to have him in here. Afterwards, I'll be at the front desk if anybody has any questions about that. Now we're going to jump into marriage. Is there any men in here that are married? Oh, it's rough. If you're a man, I've been married for 19 years. I'm still receiving, is it 18? 18 years. If you're a man and you're still receiving driving lessons, raise your hand. Isn't that amazing? You still haven't graduated from that driving lessons class. I get it from Erica. I get it from Willow now. Somehow, like women, just girls know how to do this too. And then once in a while, Kanan, Kanan will yell. He'll go, "You're a real bad driver," like that. <laughs> but I'm not the best driver either. Like, yeah, there's some truth to that. I, what makes the joke not funny is uh, that this on Saturday I had the uh, Conley twins in my car. And we were driving, and uh, I got pulled over for speeding. And uh, Kanan said, you're a real bad driver, Dad. And, uh, and they had never been pulled over before, because they usually ride with their mom. And uh, oh, so I got a ticket. It stunk. So I am a bad driver. Lesson learned. Now, um, I, 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 I love talking about marriage, because it's, it's just... There's, there's, so, there's so much to grow and there's so much truth in it. And at the same time, you, you kind of really have to be careful because it's a, uh, it's, a, it's a very important relationship, but it's not the main one, right? Your, your main relationship is with Jesus and uh, your spouse is your opportunity to express that relationship in like the greatest way possible. And so that's what I want to talk to you guys about today. Um, and I'll give you some just pro tips on, <laughs> on what it's like to be married. Um, you know, it's funny because when I, when I first met my wife, I, I, was, in, I was in college and um, I found Brian. I led him to the Lord <laughs> and uh, got him all tight with Jesus. And then, uh, now he already knew the Lord when I met him. We, we, we were at college for a long time. And, and sometimes like, I felt like there were some pockets of maturity in my life where uh, the Lord, I could hear from him clearly. And I remember... Uh, seeing this, this woman, her name is Erica, and I was just awestruck by her beauty. I didn't, I didn't know how beautiful she was on the inside yet. And I remember saying to myself, one day I'm going to get the courage to talk to her, but not today, you know? And the next time I saw her, I, I was able to talk to her. The third time that I saw her, I actually, this is what I felt like the Lord and I had decided. It wasn't about whether or not that we would be together it was about whether or not I had the courage to ask her out. Isn't that like a huge difference? Because in the one scenario, it's about things that are outside of my control. In the other scenario, it's within my control. So I, I said, Lord, give me the strength to ask her out. And so one time we went to a, um, I, I saw her at a party that I knew she was going to be at. And I was there and I went up to her. I didn't even like say hi again or anything. I said, hey, would you like to grab lunch sometime? And she said, no, that's okay. And I said, I was like, yes, I did it. 
you know? And I was so excited that I asked her out. And I was like, well, it's 1 a.m., so I'm going to leave. And I walked out of there. And I, I was, to be honest with you guys, I was on cloud nine. I could finally put that thing to bed. Like, I didn't have to think about it anymore. Because I would, like, lay up at night and think about this girl. And I was like, okay, I'm going to get my sleep back. And, you know, we're going to move on with my life. Thank you, God, that you have other plans. And, and, uh, but I did it. And uh, in my version of the story, she has a completely other different version of the story for some reason. She comes out of the house and catches up to me, and I'm, I don't know what her version is. I forget it because it's not true. <laughs> this is the true version. She came out of the house. I was getting into my car. She got into my car. She said, I can't stop thinking about you. I think about you all the time. And I was like, I think about you all the time. And like in my mind, we could have said I do right there, and I would have gotten married. But uh, she said, if you give me some time, I, I would really like to, you know, date and see what happens. So two, we were dating two weeks and I was like, I'm going to marry you someday. Wrote it in a letter to her. And uh, so it's good. And, and, and being with somebody, you know what else got me about her? She is so put together. Have you ever seen her? Does she look put together? I'm like, who? Yeah, you guys can give it up for how put together my wife looks. And she just seemed like, like a, it seemed like every, everybody else was just a girl. And like, she was a woman. And she was like the first woman I ever dated, you know? And it was just, she just blew my mind. And, um, and as, we, as we began to like be together, I think it's funny because I think sometimes in marriages, there's stages. There's this first stage where you're like, it's everything. Like you need this person to be a certain way and you're kind of young in your marriage and you're like, you know what you could be doing more of? You know, and a little less. And like you analyze each other too much. Then you have like children and it's like, oh, thank God you're here. You know, like, because there's these kids, and if you weren't here, I'd have to be watching them constantly. You know, and as the kids get older, it's, um, you, you, you're, you have to figure out and navigate this next season. I know there's seasons after this one, but I just wanted to just mention to you guys, there's, there's something called personality types. And how many of you guys are, are extroverted? Like, you get energy from being around people. How many of you are introverted? How many of you, your wife is the opposite of you? Is that the case? Most times it's true. And uh, like when we wake up in the morning, I'm ready to talk. You know, Erica's saying, please be quiet. You know, <laughs> morning's not the time for conversation. But when we, were, when we were younger, like I'd always want to go out and hang out and she never did. And I was always like, what's the deal, you know? And it's amazing how you begin to kind of figure things out. She is, as far as conscientiousness goes, um, she's efficient and organized. I'm more easygoing and careless, if you can believe that. Um, <laughs> As far as openness goes, she's more consistent and cautious. And that, that's what kind of attracted me to her is, is seeing that. And I'm more inventive and curious. As far as agreeableness goes, I am more challenging and uh, she is more compassionate when it comes to being agreeable. If you've ever gone out to eat with me, I don't mind telling the waiter, take this food back. <laughs> it's out of my face. And don't spit in it. And um, neuroticism is another, another thing. Someone's usually more secure and confident. Someone's more sensitive and nervous. And it's, a, uh, it's such a journey kind of being with this person. And, and, and some of these, the, the, the tension that the opposites can play with each other and wishing your spouse was more like you probably isn't the coolest thing in the world, right? And God has given them a certain personality and, and there's so many just good attributes to that. So... I wanted to just talk to you guys today about, about marriage, but I, I can't get away. 
I tried to get away from it, but I felt like the Holy Spirit wouldn't let me. I heard this verse in the, uh, the first service. Are you guys ready for it? I'm going to read this to you, but one time when I was reading this, I felt like the Holy Spirit read it to me, and he gave me understanding. You can know this, and you guys can repeat this, but you want to understand this. This is John 6, 35. It says, And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. And I, I read that one time, and I, I felt like it, there was... Uh, I felt like, and, and, and Erica didn't give me this idea. I was coming to some conclusions. I felt like I had to make Erica like happy, you know, just as a husband. Like I felt this pressure to be the bread of life for her. And you can't be the bread of life for somebody. That's, that's really good news. So I want, I'm, I'm trying to give you guys understanding right now around this verse. You can't be the bread of life for your spouse. And you can't make them eat the bread of life either. You can only eat it and have it. You can eat the bread of life. You can be satisfied. And you can begin to be for them whatever they think they need and still have life and have it abundantly. Isn't that good news? What you can't do is when they're sleeping at night, is break this over and put a wafer in their mouth and <laughs> dip that juice in there. They'll choke. <laughs> so don't do that. And, and I, want, I want everybody in this, because like, marriages, there's so many different kinds of marriages out there. Like some people are together. Some people are both Christians. Some people, one person is, one person isn't. Some people are separated. Some people are divorced. Some people are just, just all over the place. But I, I just want you guys to know that, that Jesus is the bread of life and your spouse isn't. And if anybody in here has expectations for your spouse to be a certain way, they can become exactly who you want them to be, and it's still not going to give you life. If that was the case, it would say this, the bread of life is finding the perfect spouse. And it doesn't say that whatsoever. It says that he is the bread of life and he actually satisfies. And I want everybody in this, I know that can sound cliche, especially if it feels like if you're praying, you're not receiving life. I want you to know that I used to pray and it felt like I, I feel, still felt like I was hungry and still felt like I was thirsty, right? I want you to know that there's, there's, there comes a certain moment in your prayer life when he becomes more important than everything else in the world. And that's when it satisfies. See, I, 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 I was going to him and I was trying to incorporate him. I still love the things of this world. So there was an enmity between me and God. So I was loving the world and trying to pray on the side. That's not enough to actually feed you. You're not trying to fit Jesus into your worldly scheme of how you want things to go. He didn't design it that way. He designed it that he would be everything. And when he's your everything, that's how the hunger goes away. And that's how you satisfy your thirst. I wish, you could, I wish I could tell you, like, as soon as I became a Christian, he's always been my everything that is not the case. And it's taken a lot of time, but here's, here's what I can tell you, is that I've never stopped running the race. I've gotten better at running the race, and I've even gotten faster at running the race, and I've gotten more endurance in this race called Christianity. I never went away from it. 
and I, and I just want to encourage all of you guys, like, if what I'm saying sounds cliche, like, well, you know, I pray too, but I kind of still wish my spouse would clean up once in a while. <laughs> they could be the cleanest person in the world and it still wouldn't satisfy you one bit. It'd become a part of your standard operating procedure and it might be cool for two weeks and then it becomes normal. And it's as if they're not even doing it. So whatever anybody's thinking in here, like, because here's the question that somebody proposed to me one time. Would you rather have the perfect spouse or be the perfect spouse? Which one would it be? Aren't those cool scenarios? You're in charge of one of them and you can become the perfect spouse. But I can't tell you that you're going to have it, but you can become it with the Holy Spirit. And that's exciting to me. There comes a, uh, a certain point here in scripture where um, I have such a, I, I did a long, I, I ended up teaching 10 classes on uh, 1 and 2 Timothy at this place um, last year. And I, I really kind of fell in love with the city of Ephesus and the way that the, the Bible talks about Ephesus and, and the church leaders that they actually had poured into this city. It, it was like the main hub of Christianity when you look at the New Testament. And Paul is coming back towards Ephesus and he had gone away and he had spent three years of his life there pouring in there. He sent Timothy there uh, and he's coming back and the elders are traveling to meet him, not in the city of Ephesus, but someplace that's close by that he's stopping by at port. And he runs out to them and he's actually kind of reminding them of what it is that he was towards them. And I want to read to you what he, what he says to them. He says, in everything... I showed you that by working hard in this way, you must help the weak. Paul, do you remember his last warning to Ephesus? He said, there's going to be wolves that come in when I leave. And Paul is reminding them of what a, what a leader should look like. Okay, here in this verse. And I just want to read to you what he says. That by working hard in this way, you must help the weak and remember the words of Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than received. That means this, that word blessed is often translated as happy. How many of you want to be happy? It's okay to be happy. Did you guys know that? And he says, um, blessed are those in Matthew 5. It also says happy are those is sometimes how it's translated. This is what he's saying. It is better for you to give away your life than it is to receive something from others. You might say, well, how, how is that? That's not the way I'm thinking here. See, Adam, if you'd only understand, if my spouse would give me, then I would be happy. No. You, you might catch a buzz for a week, but that's about it. It is better that you give away your life than that you receive it. And you might say, well, well why or how? And, and how does that even remotely work? It's powerful because those who are willing to lay down their life, I want to read another verse to you and then I want to kind of jump into some things. In John 12, 24, it says this, truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. The one who loves his life will lose it and the one who hates his life in this world will keep it to eternal life. If anyone serves me, he must follow me and where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the father will honor him. 
the activity of heaven follows sacrifice. You don't want your spouse to become something for you. You want the activity of heaven inside your house. Trust me on that. You want, you want your prayers answered. There's a prayer that I've been praying, and thank, thank God God uh, put the shout on Brian's heart. And one of the prayers that I pray is, God, uh, I, I pray this over my children that they would encounter you. And, and my oldest son got to encounter God at the shout. Amen. But do you know what I want in my house? I want a place of sacrifice where I lay down my life. Why? Because the Bible says this about husbands. Husbands love your wives or God does not hear your prayers. What, what is marriage? Marriage is this little microcosm. It's this little place where when you pray, God goes, let me take a peek first at your marriage. Why? Because he opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And where does God look? to see where your humility is at. He looks at your marriage. There's one person that you've made a covenant with. Just one, not your kids. One person. And he comes to see whether or not you're laying down your life in in that one scenario. Forget about your life in every single person. We're talking about one person, the ministry of your spouse. And he's coming to take a peek to see whether or not you're humble or proud in that relationship to see whether or not that prayer is going to be answered. Isn't that wild? So do you, do you want the perfect spouse or do you want to be the perfect spouse? I'll tell you this. I, I want to be the perfect spouse. I haven't always been. And um, at the beginning of my, of my marriage, I, I'll tell you what, the, before I knew the enemy had a voice and before I knew that the enemy talks, I thought that um, I, had, I had a fear in my marriage and, and this was the fear that, that everyone leaves eventually. And that's what the enemy taught me growing up, is that everybody leaves eventually. You're all alone, no one loves you, and everyone leaves eventually. And I took those three lies that were in my heart, and I took that into my marriage. And I remember specifically early on in marriage, I used to keep my wife at a certain distance because I never knew if she was going to leave or not. Not because of anything she was doing, but because of what I heard in my heart. And I used to keep her at a distance. I didn't know there was an enemy and I didn't know he spoke and I didn't know what he had planted in my heart. But one day I encountered the God powerfully and he removed all those seeds. And I was able to love my wife freely and I've been working on becoming the best spouse in the world. That's my desire. I'm not telling you I'm there yet. It's my desire because it's within my power because it's within the Holy Spirit's power to do that in me. This is where it gets hard if, you're, if, you think this, if you think that your spouse is actually in control of the bread of life, and I'm just using this as a metaphor, if you think your spouse has this and they're withholding it from you, that means every day you've got to wake up and see if they're willing to give you it or not. And then your day is determined by how your spouse is treating you instead of how God has treated you. I want to tell you this right now. God's a little bit more consistent in his goodness and his kindness towards you. And if you're going to fix your eyes on somebody, I just want to recommend it, be, it not be your spouse. Because that, that's, that's the trick of the enemy. The enemy will say, fix your eyes on your spouse. And if you do that, I got to tell you, they're not going to be consistent. I'm a pastor and I'm not consistent. I sometimes have a bad day or not say the best thing or sometimes um, get tickets which I need to pay. Check in with me next week. (laughs) 
Where's Matt? Matt's not in here. Matt can remind me. The one who loses his life, the one who loves his life will lose it. That is true. If, if you're living this life to receive, you're going to lose your life. And what I mean by that is you're not going to be happy. You're not going to figure out how to sacrifice or lay things down. Let me just tell you this. So I had mentioned the worship team and the tech team. There are people back there in that prayer room that lay down their Sunday morning so that you might have a place to go to receive prayer. Isn't that cool? There's some people upstairs that lay down their life so that you might have a place to take your children where they can learn about Jesus. Isn't that cool? They're more blessed. And sometimes people will tend to church for a while and say, I don't know, I'm just not happy there. You gotta learn to lay it down. If you truly wanna be happy at a church, you've gotta learn to lay it down and begin to contribute instead of receive. Now, I'm not saying don't receive. We all need to receive, right? But we all need to learn to lay down because that's where happiness comes from. And I, and I, I want to say this because I don't want anybody to walk out of here with just this like pie in the sky message and it's like, Jesus should be your everything. And if he's not, that's your bad, Right? There's a place where you grow into that. And there's also a place, like if you have life, how many of you have a spouse that has some roles in the house that do some things, right? Does anybody have like a, a husband that provides? You know, like when you have life, you can begin to have eyes to see what somebody else is doing instead of eyes to see what somebody else isn't doing. I want everybody to know this. Like, let's say you have a husband. Like, you can go up to them and say, hey, like, you work really hard, and I just want you to know that, like, that's so cool that you provide for the family. But you can't see that if you're looking at, at him saying, when is he going to put his clothes in the dirty clothes basket? <laughs> right? Or if you're, if, you're, if, you're, if, you're a, if you're a husband and, you're, and your wife cooks, like, you're probably used to it by now, but man, like, wouldn't that be cool if you had eyes to see the fact that she labors and that's a labor of love? And, you, and you're sitting there eating and you haven't said anything to her in seven years about her cooking. And you say, I want to just thank you so much for just like laying down your life and, and, and putting the time and effort into this meal. Like, I really appreciate it. They'd fall over, <laughs> right? But I'm telling you, there's something about being with the bread of life that he also gives you eyes to see what your spouse is doing. And heaven forbid, like, I'm not saying it's wrong to have desires, Okay, so don't feel that way either. Don't feel like if your desire is anything else but Jesus said you're wrong. That's not what I'm saying. Like, like, um, like it's okay that, that you desire your spouse to treat you in a certain way. Okay, I, it's gonna be hard if it becomes a need. There's a difference between desire and need. But if they do like do something that they typically don't do that you've always desired that they do, you know what you should probably say? that's the most amazing thing in the world. Thank you so much for doing that. And what do you do? Well, you're just encouraging them around the very behavior that you've been crying out for, right? And it's okay to tell your spouse, this is my desire. This is what I would like our relationship to look like. And if you have any desires, I would love to try to be the best that I can at them. You're allowed to say that stuff. That's called communication. And you're allowed to communicate with your spouse. But I also want you to know that you're allowed to communicate with God. And you're allowed to go to him every morning. You're allowed to seek the kingdom first. And you're allowed to eat of the bread of life so that when you come out of that closet that you have it and you've got plenty of it to give and you're more than willing to lay it down. 
And you're, you're more than welcome to let the kingdom of heaven invade your house because you're there to lay down your life, not try to keep it. And that's the coolest thing in the world is when you do that. And then you know what's really cool? Is that when your prayers start being answered and these prayers are all about his will and you begin to see his will fall on your family because someone decided to lay down their life. Some of you guys want to do that. You wait till everyone's done, then you can. So we have different situations in here. And, and when you talk about marriage, like there's, there's sometimes like, sometimes people are, are abused in their marriage. And I, and I want to say this because I always feel like I forget to say this. Jesus was never abused besides the crucifixion. A lot of people tried to abuse Jesus in his life, like while he was doing ministry. They were namely the Pharisees. They tried to come along and abuse him, steal his honor, push him down, and try to make little of what it is that he was doing. And Jesus never let them. If anybody in the, is, is, is in this situation and you're being abused, it's not okay to be abused because you're giving an abuser a safe place to abuse. And Jesus never did. And so like, you're not called to be trampled on in his name, unless you're preaching the gospel and you're persecuted for it. And so if, if you're in a situation, again, there's a lot of situations that are in the room. So it's kind of hard to speak to all of them. But if you're in a situation where you're, you are being abused, it's not okay for their sake. They need help. And you're, you're giving them a safe place to do the wrong thing by being quiet. And Jesus never did that. Some of you in this room are actually separated from your spouse. And I want you to know that that's not an excuse not to love them. I want you to know that you can love them. And you can love them from a distance. You can maybe honor them and respect their boundaries, but you can also always communicate how you feel. And I know sometimes the courts say that you can't and, and there's some of that stuff. But if you're in this room and you're separated, never stop loving your spouse so that when God peeks at that situation, he can say, well done. Some of you are in this room and, and your spouse has actually moved on and passed away, you know, and you've been learning what it means to eat of the bread of the life because, man, he's who you have, you know? But no matter what your situation is in, I would have you know this, that Jesus is interested in you becoming the best spouse in the world not being with the best spouse. He has a plan for them and he's going to work in them. But wouldn't it be cool if you provided an awesome atmosphere for him to do his work? Like, wouldn't it be cool if you laid down your life and, and, and you were blessed, so you're happy because, you're, because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. So that's what you're doing. You're laying down your life and you're giving. And because you're laying down your life, you're like a seed that's being planted that dies and therefore all the fruit comes forth and all this life comes forth in your house because you weren't concerned on what you were getting from somebody with your expectations. You were concerned about what you were giving away. And God came and invaded that space and invaded the lives of your kids. Would that be cool? Um, my mom used to be a Methodist, right? 
and um, she was she was she was devoted and she was devoted to God. And I would catch my mom reading the Bible in the uh, dining room, right? Well, one night in my bedroom, I encountered the activity of God, and what it's because of my mom, who was faithfully serving the Lord, provided a place in our home for the activity of God to come into my bedroom. Oh, come on, is that cool? Yeah. So you don't you don't know, you don't know what your laying down of your life actually produces in heaven and a gateway for it to come and actually invade the lives of your family and friends. And that stuff's cool. And so like, I, I seek the Lord in the morning. Why? Because I want a place where the activity of God can come into my kids' bedrooms and meet them where they're at. And not be concerned about what I'm receiving, but be very concerned about what I'm giving and be able to give my life away. I'm not telling you I've perfected it or I'm the master of it. I'm on a journey just like you trying to figure out what it looks like to humble myself so that grace can come and that my family would experience who God is. Is that hitting anyone's heart? Is that a cool plan for your life? Seek the kingdom first and all these things shall be added onto you. It's awesome. So now all of a sudden, your marriage is not a partnership or a deal. It's an opportunity. It's the main relationship that you get to lay down your life and navigate what it means to actually love somebody and what it means to actually give it all away so that God can come. Well, what if he doesn't come? Well, I guess one day he'll hold you up and say, let me share with you what this person did. This person sought me with all their heart. They gave their life away in their home and they were amazing. And in the hardest of circumstances, they still shined and they represented me well. Would you guys give it up for Jesse? Yeah, and we all just go bananas, right? You like that, Jesse? Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard being married to your wife. I didn't mean to make it sound like that. It's probably hard being married to Jesse. Uh, just joking. He's <laughs> probably. He's probably getting speeding tickets. So in the midst of this person that's probably the, completely, the complete opposite of you, that doesn't make much sense to you, nor do they think like you or act like you or feel the way you do about things, they might even have different interests than you, and you might have very little in common with this person. This is the person that God chose to make you the most like him as possible, right? Because some of us probably married challenging people, and, and that's the person that God said, this person will shape them into me more than any other person, Amen? So I want to I want to just pray. I did this in the first service, and I want to I want to pray. If if you're praying for your spouse's salvation, let's just say they're not here with you today. Um, if they are, Amen, man. Maybe God's answering prayers and stuff, and that's so cool. But if anybody's here and you're praying for your spouse's salvation because they don't know the Lord, would you please stand up? I, I want to pray something specific over them, and and. Uh, the Bible talks about how sometimes the enemy comes and blinds um, people. And I want them to be able to see Christ in you. I want them to be able to see the love that's inside of you for them. Okay? So I'm going to pray that the scales on their eyes would fall off and that they would see that. 
And Dylan was here last week. And you know what he said? He said, I see miracle marriages coming out of this place. If you guys were here, I'd be very encouraged by that. Amen? Because he didn't know that we were going into a marriage series. It's just, he goes, I see it, praise, that this house is going to be a house of miracle marriages. And so would you guys just, just put your hands out like this? If you guys are in here, not you guys, this guy standing, put your hands towards them. We're going to pray. In Jesus' name, I pray that the scales on eyes would fall off right now and people would be able to see the love of Jesus inside of their spouse and that, that their home would become a place of conviction where the Holy Spirit comes and convicts of sin and that this person would see their need for a savior and that they would run towards you, God. I pray for continued strength to be able to lay down their lives so that it would be like a seed that goes into the ground and springs forth life. We pray and we just thank you. You know, even as you guys are just standing right here, I, I actually see you, I just saw like this, uh, this vision of you guys being in prayer, thanking God for your spouse, thanking God for, for what it is they do do, thank, thanking God for who it is that they are. And I saw, I saw this like shift even happening inside your own hearts that was like a, um, a turning point for you. Like this marriage series is actually also um, going to help you become who you can become in Christ towards them because you're, you're even going to let go of some expectations that are just unreasonable for someone who doesn't know God to be acting like them. And I just see God doing that in you and I just see an affection growing and I even see the heart of Jesus, the way that he feels about them just overwhelming you. And um, maybe sometimes what they do stands out and is very obvious to see, but I actually see God shading you from what's wrong and showing you what's right. Thank you, God. None of us deserve a spouse. None of us even deserve to be trusted with a thing. And I can't believe that you've given us marriage. And we just praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. We just thank them for the courage to stand up. All right. I felt like I told you everything that I know about marriage. Um, I'll just give you some juicy details next week about my marriage, okay? Um, if anybody wants to sign up for uh, Activate, the QR code is out there. I'm going to be out there if you have any questions. Again, we're going to have childcare. That's going to be a powerful weekend. Please believe in yourself enough to invest in that weekend. It's going to be awesome. Uh, if you have any questions, I'll be out there. Bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We thank you for watching with us. I praise our mission is to inspire, challenge, and transform people for generations to come. And we hope today's message can do just that. If you have any questions or would like to learn more about Praise, email us at info at If you'd like to support Praise financially, you can visit praiseyork.com give. To stay up to date with sermons, events, and changes at Praise, make sure to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel.